what married her meant to me was that we would be eternally bonded. And mm. those two words are the words that I spoke to you. This for us doesn't just stay in this lifetime. It transcends far mm. beyond that. Lasagna. lasagna. Lasa- Jinx, you want me Coke? Coke? Jinx, you want me Coke? Fuck yeah! <laughs> Shut the fuck up. There are many orgasms that happen throughout our sessions, but there's always a grand orgasm. Yeah. Which is one that obliterates our concept of selves. Yeah, we actually were pregnant. My body did what it needed to do and it miscarried the, the pregnancy. <laughs> Welcome to another session with my beautiful wife now, Haley Ui. Yay! Today we are here to talk about our concept of marriage, how we perceive our eternal bonding, because we didn't really go down the mainstream path, which is pretty typical for us, for anyone that knows us. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely went and approached things with a very different lens that many others probably haven't even thought of. Well, what we found, and that's what we want to describe today, is go through you know, a different, an alternative way of viewing an eternal bonding and it's a connection that we believe to persist beyond this time and space. Yeah. And how to convey that and communicate that to other people because we really broke every tradition that there is to even the ones that we kept were were not even what most people would consider standard. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that there was so much beauty behind that as well. Um, You know, in, in going and breaking a traditional tradition we were then able to go and make our own yeah and that's what we're about we do that with everything so that's what we want to do today and also give you guys some ideas and some inspiration for how you could best manage and take control and infuse your spirit into what your relationship is rather than just following the standard mainstream way of doing things yeah absolutely yeah so let's begin with our concept of marriage and this is like the crux of this the core of this which is what is marriage like what is it is it just a religious agreement between you and this person is it something that you're joined together by a spiritual uh holy understanding is it something where you're leaning more towards the government and an institution that's binding you legally together or is it something more spiritual that is that exists just between you and that person because mm. that's what i see is that there's there's these elements you have these moving elements there's the religion yeah. the institution and the couple itself yeah and between you and i I remember jumping out to you on the couch uh, just saying that this is my understanding of it, which is that I don't have any particular religious belief that would bring us together in that way. Yeah. Uh, I have no lenience on the government. I don't need them for accountability. Uh, and even legalization wasn't something that was that interested me. Yeah. What interested me was if I ever came across someone, and at this time in our relationship, we're only one month in, although I was deeply in love with Haley at the time, I wouldn't say that I wanted to marry her then and there. It was still something building. But what married her meant to me was that we would be eternally bonded. And mm. those two words are the words that I spoke to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the moment that you spoke them, it was like this light bulb. And it's like, yeah, I really resonate with that. That there's a lot of a lot of love that comes from those two words being said together, the eternal bonding. Um and, you know, it's like you, if you think of it as like a mental picture, you can think of like these different like threads of string like That's weaving right. together. And it's like, you know, you have your color and I have my color. And then all of a sudden it's like red and blue makes purple. Mm. Mm, absolutely. That's the visualization that goes through mind. Just this eternal weaving of threads. Yeah. On and on. Yeah. That it transcends this moment in space and time. Yeah. That and when it's you're like, gone, we will still. Yeah. together absolutely and it's you know like building on from that it's you know the the longer that we're together and the more that we explore and the more than that we experience it's like more threads just keep popping up and weaving together and Mm. 
like I think that's really cool. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so that's that was my understanding of it and your mutual understanding and that was a real light bulb of a green flag if you will, which is because it was so early in our relationship that we came to this understanding. Yeah. And that was I think a huge connecting point like if you guys imagine the movie Avatar when Jake is learning to ride the horse for the first time and they have the the connection from the back of his hair and it's yeah. that, that kind of wormy uh, whatever that connection like is. Like the fibristic. Yeah, that connects to the animals. Yeah. Uh, that's what it felt like. It felt like this huge like connecting bond between us. So first point, make sure you discuss what your values are with this person. Yeah. Because you don't, like I was just working with a client uh, last week who was going down the pathway of marriage, a traditional marriage, but he didn't want to. Mm. He was pressured from both sides of the family uh, and his fiance at the time. And he just, he was absolutely miserable in it. And because we discovered that his values did not align with uh, his fiance, and it would have been the worst mistake of his life, really. I feel like so many people get caught out with that, though. That it's like I've been with, like I've been with this person for like five years, so it's either we break up or we get married. Mm. And unfortunately, so many people are like, "Oh, well, you know, like fuck it, let's go, we'll get married." And it's like they get married, and two years later, they're divorced. Mm. And then it's like, by then you've got like children involved or, mm. you know, like it's just like, don't do that to each other. If if you don't wake up in the morning and it's like the first thing you ask yourself is like, would I marry this person? And like, it's a surefire response without even thinking yes. Mm. Are you really in the right place? Mm. I don't know. Marriage isn't a booster pack. Yeah. And, and marriage won't make it better. Mm. If it's not good before marriage, then mm. it's not going to be good. Mm. Yeah, if you don't have strong lines of communication and this yeah. unwavering commitment to them already, yeah. that's what I think has always messed with me. And so I'd love to, love to, I think this is a good point because we're in the beginning of this podcast laying down our foundations of our yeah. concept of marriage. We need to step back to what our individual experiences have been because mine's been the polar opposite of yours, yet both of our experiences of what we've seen in marriage from our close families has been pretty detrimental. Yeah. That you would actually would think would drive us away from it. Yeah. So I'll just I'll just start it off. I won't go into the I won't give you an essay on it, but just the short summary of it is that my between my mom and my dad, my biological mom and dad, my dad had four marriages and my mom's had three. Mm. So there's been like a total of seven marriages that some I've been alive for, some that I haven't been. And all I've known growing up was that marriage doesn't work, at least on an individual yeah. local level to me. Statistics would back that up saying that for one in two, you know, fifty percent of people it doesn't work for. And the more times that you get married, the less likely it's going to work. Yeah. So I well, and I feel like there's even statistics out there with people that have grown up from like a broken family mm. will then go and have a broken family themselves because they've seen it happen. Yeah. And you're just patterning what you've seen. Yeah. So for me, coming into my connection with Haley, because I've been on quite a journey since obviously being a kid, um, I knew that I wanted a commitment to yeah. one person, but how that was going to look was going to be very different from a traditional marriage and there would have to be a certain you know preconditions set up like which i'll go into later in today's podcast but that's at least that's where i was coming from mm. do you want to share how you came from where yeah you came well from? like i just i just think like growing up i saw marriage as like a very different um a very different thing like my mum and dad didn't separate um but i think the relationship that i was shown was like very bipolar in the sense of being like really happy and really fulfilling and then it's like really down low down in the dumps mm. like struggling for air um 
so yeah, like it just led me to question, like, is this actually, is this something that I want? Like mm. is, you know, like it's hard to make that decision of what, where you want to go in life and if you want to go off on your own and like make up your own rules or if you want to go and follow in the footsteps of someone who's meant to be your role model mm-hmm. um, and like your mentor through life. But yeah, it led for huge question marks of, like, is that something that I want? I guess we can now segue into how it actually came together. Right? Yeah. So, we had discussed this openly together, which is how, if they're, what do we think about a proposal? So, let's go to like the actual mechanics of how this system generally works. Give you the traditional and then what we did. So, traditional, Western, you know, Christian, religious-based yeah. marriage, right, is going to look like, the man is going to get down on one knee and he's going to propose to the woman and that was going to be called an engagement, which is we were just discussing at lunch today, which is a strange concept to us. So most people would see an engagement as a time to warm up to being together for life. Yeah. Right. But you you offered something as well at lunch that some people might think about. It's like the commitment to being married. Like, yes, I want to marry you. Um, but, you know, because we have these these backgrounds and these beliefs – we're going to have that big ceremony. We need some time to plan for that. Planning so it's time. kind of yep. like, yeah, that planning time. So there's a host of reasons, but none of them apply to us. Yeah. Because I said to, uh, well, actually, no, it wasn't what I said. Do you remember what you said to me um, about your rules or your expectations regarding proposal? I just said to you, like, if you were to ask me to get married, you just know that it would be a yes. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I said that to my mom and it made her get all giddy. Oh, uh, bless her. Yes. Love you, mum, if you're listening. <laughs> we both do. Yes. So, so the traditional is that it's a guess. Right? That's how it's portrayed in mainstream media, which is that the guy just has to find the right time that he thinks she's going to say yes. Yeah. Right? It, it, that always seems so impractical to me. And I feel like men work themselves up to like an actual like concerning extent because yeah. it's like, is she going to say yes? Is she going to say yes? It's like... Go in and get it fucking done. But that's the problem, which is that why are you questioning it? Like mm. if you're going to do this because this is You should a, be pretty assured that she's going to say yes. Is a preemptive preemptive move to being together with someone for the rest of your life. Uh, there should be no guesswork. If you're confused about whether she's going to say yes or no, I think there's a lot of foundational work that needs to be done between you and her mm. prior to this thing goes down. Yeah. So between you and I, as soon as Haley said to me, just so you know, and that's exactly what you said to me, by the way. He said to me, just so you know, whenever you want to ask, it's a yes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to put that in my back pocket. <laughs> put that straight in my back pocket. <laughs> and, and so from there, then we worked out, okay, well, so I don't want to propose to Haley to be engaged. So now we're in step with things because I don't believe in engagement. Mm. Because for us, we were both aligned on not having a big wedding, so to speak, and the wedding we'll get to. You know, I'd rather just propose to you to marry you. Yeah. rather than pro- propose you to engage you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the moment that, you know, you proposed that, it just, it all just made so much sense that it's like, yeah, this is the path. This is the journey moving forward. Mm. Like there's no, particularly for us in our relationship that, you know, we communicate literally about everything. Mm. There's, yeah, there was no reason to just sit and wait. 
So that's the first divergent move we've made already. So obviously there's a lot of divergence from the mainstream in terms of our concept, but in terms of practicality and mechanisms, we skipped the engagement process. Yeah. There was absolutely no need for it. And so on uh, Instagram, right? So you could actually watch me propose to her and a lot of people didn't didn't fully understand. We didn't, in our, on us, we didn't actually explain it. So Everyone not, just thought that we were engaged and yeah. then we're like, my wife, my husband, and they're like, wait, what? Yeah. Mic drop? Because if you look at it in the caption, so if you go to my Instagram, it's it's in the pretty recent posts, you'll see me down on one knee. And that's when Haley didn't know when it was going to happen. So actually now we need to press a pause because now it comes to the ring. Mm. Okay, so if you're going to throw out the engagement process, so if there's no engagement ring, that always seemed ridiculous to me as well. Um, yeah. By the way, these are just our views. Like, I, Let's say this here. This is not to cast shadow on anyone else's process. Oh, yeah. Look, everyone everyone has their own perspective and, you know, what they believe in. And I think that everyone, what everyone believes is right for them is what's beautiful. 100%. If you want to do a Hindu wedding, a Buddhist wedding, a Catholic wedding, right, whatever you want to do. Yeah. You do you. you. Yeah. If you just want to go down to the local court. Yeah. You just want to go down to the court. Whatever you guys feel aligned with. Yeah. Whatever aligns with you. Yeah. So... Because we had decided that the engagement's not necessary. Yeah. So, okay, so what are we going to do with the ring here? Are we going to have two wedding bands, gold bands? Because you, I think you had voiced interest that you didn't want necessarily just a gold band. Yeah, well, no. So, our initial idea was that we were going to get tattoos, do you remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, tattoos. We were rings. initially going to get tattoos and it was going to be um, like a tiger pattern. Mm. I remember that. We were walking through the botanics and we were going and planning like what this ring would look like. And then... It's like we gravitated away from that a little bit more. Well, because the sapphire came into play. Yeah. Yeah. Like ever since I've been little, um, like it used to be the thing that on the weekend I'd go into mum's jewellery drawer and I'd pull out this ring and it was a yellow sapphire and I loved it. But um, she also had like some some blue ones and then the, I think there might have been like one green one or my auntie had a green one. And it was like, it just clicked. It's like ever since then, I'm like, it's got to be a sapphire. Well, when you said green sapphire is when I jumped on board. Yeah. Because the green sapphire to me represents eternity. And because we represent what our concept of marriage here. And we never really used the word married um, until things became legal, which yeah. we'll talk about later in today's podcast. Eternity is the word that surrounds all of this because it's yeah. eternal bonding. Yeah. So when you said green sapphire to me, I'm like, okay, well, let's put that into rings. Mm. And so we went, we did some scaping, did some shopping around. Yeah, Turns we out, went and tried on heaps of rings and There's nothing there. There was nothing that we liked. Yeah, well, and it's all just mass manufactured. It's like mm. nothing is unique and you know, like has no character, has yeah. no story. So then we jumped on to Google, searched up custom bespoke jewelers. And of course, we found the beautiful Laura from Izara Jewelry here in Adelaide. Oh, what a gem. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Mm. Well, there's going to be a lot of puns up in this. From this old pun house. <laughs> so I got into contact with her and this is something that Haley gave or allowed me to I take full control of. I definitely didn't give it willingly. Hmm. No, Haley has <laughs> problems with control. <laughs> I just don't like surprises. Haley was, was very adverse to surprises in the beginning of our relationship. She would do – like when I surprised her with skydiving for her birthday, 23rd this year, uh, she yeah. did everything she could to ruin it to try and decipher the wedding, the weather patterns and the space where the moon is in relation to Jupiter. Oh, can I just pinpoint here yeah. that my detective abilities are actually quite amazing. Yeah, it's, it's not a redeeming factor. <laughs> I think it is. It's not. Anyway, yeah. So Anyways. the only process that I didn't like or the only part of the process that I didn't like was uh, not knowing 
Yeah. Um, not knowing what it were, what Adam had. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, so we had agreed on that you didn't want a gold band. You want yeah. what you're wearing right now. So yeah. you got to choose the medal, which yeah. is what? I, I got to choose white gold. White gold, yeah. And that you said you like the three stone setup. Yep. And that you like yep. green sapphire. That's all yep. she gave to me. And then I went to Laura and I said, and so Laura's amazing. You go into this little old school, really old world building, go up five flights and the stairs are all creaky, but she's got this awesome little workshop, just a little workshop there. And then you sit down and you design yeah. the rings with her from, and there are so many things that you do not know exist in ringmanship from the, where, the, the angle that the stones are set on, what beveling there is, uh, and that there's an individual craftsman for every single aspect of the ring development. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I remember you saying about that. Yeah. So so cool though. And so, how like Laura goes and like brings them all together. Yeah, she sources the stones. She's a gemologist. This took about, about a six-week process. And yes, it is a very expensive process. But And also just to fill you guys in. So the other end of it was for me was a rose gold with a mix of yellow. So it's like a rose and yellow mixed gold, which is really unique. Um wedding band that has a green sapphire embedded in yeah. the middle of it. The thought process was this is something unique for us that yeah. no one else will ever have these rings and no one no one can ever you can't buy this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That it is literally that one of a kind. And I think that was a big thing for Adam and I is that one aside from it being mass manufactured, is that nothing was one of a kind. There was no little unique touches put on it it's like every single thing was identical to the next it's like you walk down the street and you'd bump into someone and they have the same ring as you Mm. whereas you and i both know that no matter where we go Mm -hmm. no one will have the same ring as us absolutely i think that's just magical so now we fast forward to the actual proposal now that we have the rings and we decided we're going to do this very differently and i think we may have alluded to earlier in the podcast which is that this is the thing now this is the actual us joining together for yeah, life absolutely. and beyond to eternity. Like you said, we had that the discussion. We made it very clear that we didn't want to go and have that engagement process, that we just wanted to go straight into married life together. Yeah. So uh, it was very difficult. I had attempted several times to propose to her to bond eternally, but as Haley as we've, has been described, is a master detective and does everything she can to get in the way of anything I try to plan. So there have been several failed attempts, not on my part, but by her, of her to try and to like, what's in that bag? And so what I had to do was create misdirection where I had to fake that I was going to propose to cut, to throw her off the scent. So yeah, she literally, we would be down at Port Belunga and we'd be doing a cold <laughs> plunge. And it's like, he gets out of the water, gets his towel, dries off, reaches into the bag and like gets down on one knee. And I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. And then he just stands back up and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> What are you doing? Yeah, Get back down there. That's, uh, Jesus. That's, uh, that's <laughs> not in my house. That's what you get for being this, I have to know everything. I have yeah, to know, I know. everything. I so know. this is good because I, I know this about her. I know it's saying, oh, well, is that I misdirected her several times and then we got to Mount Lofty Botanic Gardens. It's cold, it but it's It was actually lush. a really cold day, but yeah, at least everything was really green. And cold, it was lush. There's was a running beautiful. water stream. And you guys can actually go see this on my Instagram. Yeah, you can I, hear it. Because what I did was I said to her, okay, let's take a photo. And I set up uh, my phone on a little tripod. And she was just waiting there in the sun. There's this perfect komorobi. This in Japanese, the light breaking through yeah. uh, the trees. And you it see me just approach It looks like her. a scene out of Winnie the Pooh. Yes. Yeah, the 100,000 acre woods. 100 yeah, acre woods. 100 acre woods. Yeah. 
And so I go up to her and I just, you just see it's the most beautiful moment. And I just pop down on one knee and I bust out the rings. And then there's me half expecting him to get back up again and be like, no, false alarm. <laughs> no, it was beautiful. Yeah. It truly was beautiful. Yeah. And so from that moment, so to catch you guys up, that's when we considered that we were in quotes married. Yeah. So anytime we say eternally bonded, that means married to us. As yeah. in we are committed to each other for life. Yeah. And beyond. Yeah. I think as well though, like just to pinpoint, um, you know, like at this point we hadn't yet gone and signed like the official mm. paperwork of things. So, um, you know, like in mainstream terms, yeah. we wouldn't have been uh like yeah, let's legally married. Let's get into the legal side of things now. Yeah. So that's a good transition because, yeah, as we said on my Instagram post, people thought it was just an engagement. But if those who read the caption probably who understood it a little bit better realized, oh, this, this is like eternal bonding now. This is not just an engagement. A few, a few people got it, but a lot of people didn't. Yeah. The, like, this. like my mom didn't get it. And we came home and told her like, literally <laughs> yeah. face to face that she didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like that this for us doesn't just stay in this lifetime. It transcends far mm. beyond that. Absolutely. So on the legal side of things, I think this is interesting to dive into. It was a debate, an ongoing debate between her and I, not that we were on different sides of the debate. We're actually on the same side of the debate, which is does it even matter as to whether we get legalized in terms of marriage? And at first I was, and for most of my life, I've always kind of leaned away from that. Yeah. Um, just because I don't feel that the government has any necessary relationship in my relationship. Yeah. I think where we came to, though, after, you know, having those, like, lots of conversations about it um, and really unpacking what it meant to us is that, you know, when the time comes and we we build that family is that, (coughs) sorry, is that, you know, we want our family to be united. We want them to have, like, all of us have the same last name and, yeah, more so, more so not doing the whole official side of things for you and I, but for our children in the future. That was the core carrot at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? That was the stick that got me to move on it. And it wasn't like Haley had to drag me to it. It made sense, which was us to be recognized as a legal family. That was the thesis of why we decided to go down that path. But most critically, that it was a secondary. Yeah. It was subsidiary to our eternal bonding. Yeah. That we didn't consider. And, uh, so we can, well, that would be jumping steps. We'll get to it about the actual ceremony how that actually looked the legal ceremony because there's many ways of going about that but just suffice to say which is that it wasn't something we felt we needed for each other yeah it was something we wanted to like a gift yeah recognize as a legal family and also my mom is very traditional very traditional which we love you for yeah and she's fantastic She, she was fantastic throughout the whole process in terms of accepting she's always been extraordinarily accepting of my ridiculous ridiculously alternative ways like the fact that uh, we eat an animal-based diet, which means meat, organs, fruit, and honey. That's about it. Yeah. Um, she's always been very accepting of anything that I've done in life and as accepting of Haley. So she never tried to stop us from doing anything. But this is now where we can kind of segue into, because mom's from a different generation, the eternal bonding thing just didn't really make sense to her. It just it didn't stick for her. Yeah. Uh, I feel like for so many people though, like even people that are in their like late 30s and 40s, they're like, what? Yeah, they just didn't quite get it. Yeah. So this was also not just – so I would say the primary reason why we decided to get legally married is for our – to be recognized as a legal family, but then also as a bit of a gift to my mom, which would then spur on another gift, which was what my mom really would have liked to have been a part of. Because this is the thing. Our eternal – when I proposed to you and the eternal bonding, us coming together, that was a 
private thing between you and I. Mm. And yes, I made sure that I set up uh, a camera to be able to record it so we could share that with other people and it moved a lot of people and gave a lot of joy to other people, but it's not the same as them being there. Mm. So and the most important people yeah. in my life weren't there. So we wanted to be able to give a gift in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, well, you know, like I said to you that growing up, my views on marriage were very different where I wanted to have like a traditional style ceremony um, and, you know, like have the white dress or something blue, something borrowed, um, have like your family and your friends and have a barbecue or something like that. But it's, you know, like as we as we grew, mm. it's like we, like the distance from what I previously wanted grew further and further away. Mm. So it's, yeah, it was like the only thing that I really found alignment with was like that I just wanted to wear the the white dress, you know, for myself, but also as well to give that sense of something traditional for your mum. We had talked about what that ceremony would look like because for those that aren't aware, there's multitude of options. There's, if you imagine the crazy rich Asians on the far left in terms of, uh, not politically, but in terms of extremism, yeah. but ex- super extravagant wedding, big wedding. And then you can scale down from that to just a, a small wedding to then an elopement. And an elopement, there's probably a legal definition. There is actually a, like a proper definition for that. But generally what it is, it's a very small ceremony. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Some some you can have like a couple of people. Some you can have up to 10 people. Yeah. But it's I think a, that is... It's like 10 events. or less, I think, or 20 and less. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. It's very small. Sometimes it's just for the two people themselves and just a couple of witnesses. Yeah. Which is where we landed. And then there's like the literal bare bones of getting married, which is just the legal process in terms of you just rock up to the courthouse. Uh, for those that aren't aware, you have to sign a one-month notice of intention to marry. Called a noim. Noim. And what you, can a have a, you can have a justice of the peace. You have a policeman uh, sign that. Obviously, a marriage celebrant can uh, authorize that. That just to make yeah. sure that you're not making any rational, irrational decisions. Yeah, you one month in advance. Yeah, yeah, and it lasts for six advance. months. So we've done that, and then we, because we were thinking we were going to have um, maybe ten or so people together, but then it kind of just became, well, at least on my part. As time went on, so it was like in August of this year, that I, August 6th, that I had proposed to you. As mm. time went on, as we were planning this, it became less and less important to us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, like, I think uh, along with that is that you, we really sat with who who are we doing this for? Mm. Are we doing it, you know, like, are we doing it for validation? Is it that we feel that we have to invite people because we're inviting other people and they know that person? Or, like, if mm-hmm. we invite someone, then we have to invite someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think just in the end, we're, we just really knuckled down. It's like, well, who do we actually, you know, who do we really value at the court? Who do we want to be there? And it was your mum and Lou. Yeah, and I think you said something really important there, which is that if I invite this person, I feel like I'm going to have to invite the other one. Yeah. And then it just... Psh- Mushrooms out. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you've got 150 people and you're having salmon and chicken breasts. Oh, oh gosh. Not <laughs> chicken breast. Uh, red meat, son. Lady. Steak. Steak. So we eventually settled on, well, if we're not going to go down that path and it's no offense to no offense meant to any of our close friends, that we just settled on it was just going to be two witnesses that you're legally required to have. You can get random strangers if you want. But – my mum and my brother, 
and that was it. We yeah. just settled on that and we signed up. There was a great company, Just Married Weddings, I believe, Just Married Ceremony, something like that Yeah. Um, in Adelaide. And they set you up with a celebrant. Alison, I know is Lisa's first name. She was absolutely wonderful. And yeah, you she just, was so lovely. And her husband came too. Yeah, husband came too. And just a little setup on the beach. It was windy, but it was beautiful. But do you know what? On that day, we were so lucky in the sense that it was so overcast, so overcast. And it's like we got down the beach and all of a sudden it was like just this pocket, of like sun. this little halo on top of us, sun beaming down. Mm-hmm. It was still windy, but I think like the winds like died down a little bit. It wasn't quite as intense. Yeah. And it's like the moment it was done, it just started bucketing down with rain. Yeah, it was a perfect little moment. And if you yeah. guys want to see it, you can go onto my Instagram, Tang one and in the ads and hails highlights on the story, story highlights, that's all, there's a reel in there yeah. from photos and... You know, it was just a tiny, small affair. We went to dinner afterwards. Mum shouted us to a beautiful dinner. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. We had a really good ribeye. <laughs> and that's what, yeah, yes, we did. And that's all you, and all we did there was just, you just literally signed the papers, you get a certificate and it was over and done within 15 minutes. Yeah. But you know, like it was, it was perfect. It was exactly what it needed to be. So that settles all the legal stuff now. So yeah. to summarize this, at the top of this temple is that we are eternally bonded beyond this moment in time yeah, and forever and always. And then we are also legally married from a family unit perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so at, was it at lunch today or was it last night? I asked you, has anything changed for you? Yeah, no, it was at lunch today. Has anything changed for you since we did get legally married? Yeah. Yeah, no. And look, to be completely honest with you, it hasn't because, you know, like I've always just seen marriage as being like this piece of paper. Well, not always, but for most of my most of my life when I've been mature enough to understand it, mm. I have just seen it as a piece of paper. And, you know, it's like I just – I considered us as being married when you asked me. Yes, and so I think now would be a fantastic time to dive into all the other aspects now of committed relationship. So mm. I'd love to talk about children. I'd love to talk about sex. I'd love to talk about uh, interrelationship with other people. Yeah. Right, all this different stuff because we've been waiting to do this. I introduced you to Haley six, seven months ago. Mm. Oh, that's also something important. We haven't even put a time frame on this. So how long have I known you? How long have I known you? Or how long have we been together, I guess? Both. We've been together for just over a year. It's actually a very important point, which is a lot of people would look at that and everyone that I've now since had conversations with who have said, oh, how long have you been married for? Like they're really surprised that I'm married. And like, how long have you been married for? And I'm like, uh, a couple of weeks. Oh, how long have you known each other? Expecting I'm going to say like 10 years. Yeah. And that's everyone's like preconception off like a long time that you should have known this person. Yeah. And I'm like, no, we've been together for about one year and there was some open time before that, but about one year. And you just see the system error on their faces. Like, what? Yeah. People are very shocked and very surprised when they mm. say that you got married after only knowing each other for one year. And to me, it doesn't feel like that's the case because I feel like I've known you for many lifetimes. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, we both had established that very early on in our relationship together. Um, but isn't it interesting how much things have, you know, I, you could say progressed or you could say regressed, um, how like way back when in like our grandparents generation, it was that you might only know the person for a day and you get married. And now it's like, oh, you've known them for a year. You are insane for mm. getting married. Yeah. So what does that speak about society? Yeah, That's where I my mind goes. Everyone's like, I think everyone's declined. Everyone's so interested in doing this. Mm, and for those listening on the podcast, Haley's re- using her hands to demonstrate a device. Oh, yeah, sorry. Mm. Typing on a phone or, you know, swiping on Tinder or swiping, yeah, Hinge yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, 
it's like just get out there meet people it's how it's how you make those connections you don't make okay so some you can but nine times out of ten you're not going to go onto hinge or tinder or bumble or whatever go fish yeah what are you what are you gonna find? Yeah, you're gonna find a lot of people looking for the same thing, which is a nice validation hit. Now I know I'm gonna offend a lot of people by saying that, because I've got some friends who actually did find their life partner or meaningful relationships on online dating apps. Absolute outliers. By far the absolute outliers. And yeah. I just released a uh pretty large bullsip email article, which was like forty five hundred words and it was like really like a summation of many, many years of social dynamics coaching. It was called the loneliness epidemic. Uh the infection of our young people. And this is something I cover deeply, which is what is happening to young people. And this is something I say to you all the time, which is when we're out and about, we're at the beach, we're at the botanic gardens, we're in the mall. And I'm just like, where are the couples? Yeah. Why is there such a lack of couples? And I'm talking about specifically between 18 to 22 year olds, that that meaty gap where typically you would be seeing a lot of puppy dog love, a lot of relationships start to bloom yeah. around that time. Well, and, you know, like especially, like I think back to when I was in high school, you would walk through the mall or you'd walk through, I grew up in a country town, so you'd walk through the town and you would see people holding hands and you'd see people actively engaged with each other and actually wanting to be there with each other. Mm. Whereas it's like now it's like, ill you smell, I don't want to be anywhere near you. Is it's it that so or is it that... I'm so independent, I'm so good on my own for some people. And or, then for other people, I'm it, not good enough. Yeah, is it? I feel like it's it's either so far left that it's like I am so good, mm. I'm so independent, I'm so self-sufficient, I don't need anyone else, I'm happy just being me. Like I love me and that's all that I need. And look, power to it to a point. Mm-hmm. But then it's like you go all the way to the right side and it's just like, I am so insecure with myself. I don't actually know how to love myself. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that feels like. If I don't love myself, how can I love anyone else? I'm just going to sit here in my little bubble of sadness. And it's like, how do you how do you get in the middle? Mm. How do you have uh, like an appropriate amount of love for yourself that doesn't go and tarnish relationships mm. or potential relationships and connections mm. that you could have someone, with someone else? I think it's a... Absolutely brilliant question, and it's what I would like to answer with the journey. Yeah. My answer to that question is the journey. So this is something that I've said throughout all these years of podcasting, which is that the journey will always be your journey. So can we establish from the beginning that no one's perfect? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And every, everyone's had their their own journey so far in life, and that's definitely shaped who who they are. So I think having a bit of understanding and patience with that is so important yeah so humility and empathy not only for yourself but for others but let's get that premise right from the beginning this is where everything the foundation begins from when it comes to the journey will always be your journey is that no one's perfect yeah and that the attainment of a perfect standard whatever you idealize that to be is unattainable you never reach that however there is something perfect which is the pursuit yeah right the endeavorment to be the very best version of yourself Right, across your temple of purpose, physical, mental, social development, your inner knowing, your willingness to grow. Yeah. Right, that, that desire, right, that to me is perfection. Yeah, well, and like what you say all the time, the, the largest area for growth is in the discomfort. Mm, the good is in the difficult. Yeah. Absolutely. So that is where I think you can make a huge course correction in your life because you you addressed you brought up some key things there which is that how do you find that middle way especially if you're someone that feels insufficient if you're yeah. someone who feels inadequate which is that 
I don't think you need to withhold yourself from exploring through social dynamics, through interrelation in the masculine and feminine dance until you reach this particular stage. I feel like once you immediately get onto that idea of that every single day, there's a step to be made, right? I'm going to do everything I can every single day to become the most supremely excellent version of myself. Yeah. That's when I think you're in a mindset to be able to entangle with other people, right? And it would scale, right? It would scale. Let's say you're someone who's absolutely ridden with social anxiety, right? Your limiting beliefs, your negative self-perceptions are just crystallized at that point. But you're just like, okay, what's the most available step to me right now? Yeah. How about I just go outside and give love to five people, which is, excuse me, ma'am. I know this is really random. You don't know who I am. But I just want to wish you the absolute best in life. My name's John. Let me just do that five times, right? Doesn't he need, need to extend to approaching a gorgeous woman such as yourself? Mm. Right? Sexy woman such as yourself. It can just be, I'll give love to, um, let me start connecting with the other beautiful viewpoints in this world. Yeah. And then we start the connection process. Like, yeah. Let's just get the ball rolling here. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And and then, so you can scale up from there, right? So I feel like, but it, it, that mirrors and that maps to the idea that I'm here on my journey. I'm here on my journey and I'm improving myself. Yeah, absolutely. And and do you know what? Women, and I'm sure it's the same for men, if, you know, the, the dynamic of your relationship is in um, heterosexual, mm. that... As long as you are on the journey, people appreciate that. Yeah, so you don't have to like I know when when we met the very first time I was only just starting yeah. on my journey. Yeah. And even still, like I'm very happy to go and acknowledge that I'm still on my journey. As we all are. As yeah, as as are you. And I feel like when you find the person, it doesn't matter whether they're on their journey or, you know, even if they go and say that they've completed their journey, I feel like that's a bit of a red flag. Oh, it's a huge red flag. Because no one's ever completed their journey. But I think I think what I'm trying to communicate to not be scared of going out and approaching people while you're on your journey. Yeah, that's what we're getting at here. Because people appreciate that and you know, you never know who you might meet. You might meet someone like Adam who is there to, you know, be that that soft format when things get hard and you fall off of the climbing. Because you, you were very defensible when I first met you. You oh. couldn't believe that you had actually met me in the sense of someone that actually wanted to care about you. Well, yeah, because... You rejected that. Yeah, so many experiences that, and I'm sure... I'm sure it's not just like this for women. I'm sure that it's actually like this for men as well. As we've seen with some of the clients that uh, you have, that there are some really nasty people out there. Yeah. And yeah, like it's really interesting when you have constant uh, constant relationships like that to expect anything different. It's challenging. And nasty people are hurt. Yeah. There are very few inherently bad people in this world. Yeah. Like, it's probably 1% of the population that are truly sociopathic. Right? Most people that are exacting negative energy, it's because they've been hurt. Yeah. Right? They're hurt people that are hurting. And so, but coming back, we're packaging this back up into a ball, I think you summed it up really well when you said, it's okay to go out and approach people when you're still on your journey. Yeah. I feel like if anything, it fuels your journey. Hmm. If yeah. you're doing it for the right reasons, which is really important, are you intrinsically or extrinsically motivated? You're doing it for yourself to improve yourself, to be able to give. Yeah, or like, you're doing it for dating game. Yeah. Validation hits. Yeah, which is not, look, each their own, but speaking from experience, it's not the way to go. It's a distraction. Yeah. And it's damaging. It's a damaging distraction. Yeah, well, for you and for anyone else that's involved in your life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 
So, I mean, that's something that I work with uh, my female clients on, which is, are you using men as a distraction? Yeah. From the healing and from the actual work that you need to do. Mm. I feel like so many people do, men and women, use so many different things as distractions because look, life is hard sometimes. We could all use a distraction. But I think if people just knew that a distraction isn't like going and taking like a different course on your path, it's actually completely falling off of your path. Yeah. That maybe they wouldn't do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So bringing this back to to just forwarding this point now, which is I'm hearing a lot of the people who have listened to this podcast now probably saying, but how does relationship structure fit into this now? So – I'd like to dive into this, you know, we've, we talked about it a lot in our first podcast together, why we chose monogamy and we went into a lot of that. So we can just uh, briefly go through this, which is I think importantly, you can also, you don't have to be in a monogamous exclusive relationship to be undergoing this process of the journey. Yeah. Right? You can do it in an open manner, in an open, I don't like the word casual. I like the word open and what that I means like to me. I feel like casual doesn't actually have any, any rules or structural boundaries. Yeah. Which really is, hard to navigate. It's what we talked about uh, not only when we entered open relationships, so I schooled you on it mm. and you agreed, struggled with it, and that's fine. It's yeah. okay to struggle with an open relationship. What's not okay is not communicating that you're struggling. Make sure you communicate. Don't be like Haley, And many others. But that's okay, right? You make mistakes and you learn. Yeah. So, But what we're talking about, I just wanted to hit on this, which is I know a lot of the people who listen to my podcast are like, it seems like a really big shift for me because I've always, I was always very anti-marriage. And I think I still am. Yeah. For someone who is legally married. Because yeah. I'm anti delegating the responsibility of my relationship to something or someone else. Well, to I a, wanted to literally like an organization. Yeah. And I know that people who are very religious and is not a swing at you guys or people who are very religious for the government. Um, if you chose to do it for those reasons, you might have your own solid reasons for it. That's fine. But for me, it really rested between me and my partner. Yeah. And that was that. So Anyways, without getting diverging too much here, you can still be learning about yourself, about yourself, and still moving forward in great leaps and bounds. Whether you're in a ex- exclusive relationship or an open relationship, however, I feel like at some point the lessons, the lesson banks are going to dry up. Yeah. Right. If you keep doing the same thing forever, and let's say that let's just play the opposition here, which is that. You played the game, you've done it all, and you realized actually just open relations for me, that's just the thing. Yeah. I'm totally accepting of that. But it's predicated on I've done it all. I've given yeah. a fair shot to everything. Do you feel like some people though, when they rule out certain types of relationships or marriage, for example, are doing it out of a place of fear and protection? Yeah, I feel like so many people would do it based on previous experiences. Hmm. So based on whatever they had gone through uh, a, di- a different time they they kind of just think that you know I, I've I, I've been engaged I was engaged to that person they were an awful person engagement's not for me it's not that engagement's not for them or being married isn't for them it's just that that person wasn't for them and that's what so many people get caught up on is the experience that they had not the person they had it with Hmm. Brilliant. Let that sink in. That's brilliant. And a great segue into now that person. Yeah. What is it that you look for 
what is it? How, how does it that I knew that you were the one? And because I have know? an amazingly unique laugh. Yeah, she sounds like SpongeBob, um, Goofy, Hyena, Elma Kookaburra, uh, mixed with like a dying dolphin. Yes. And, and a sea lion. And when done to the fullest of extent, it's intoxicating. It's intoxicating. Yeah, intoxicating. It is. Okay, so let's dive into this now. How? What, what signals are you looking for in a partner to recognize that this is probably someone that I need to be investing a tremendous amount of my life in, if not the rest of yeah. my life? I feel like for a, for a woman, it's just someone who listens, someone who actively listens. And so many people, so many people, particularly guys, and I don't know why guys do it. I feel like women, maybe that maternal role of active listening is like kind of already there and men have to like program it a little bit more into their routine. But like sit there and actively listen, not listen to respond, but listen to hear, listen to hear what we have to say, but then also expect that we'll reciprocate that. Like if you show that to us, then we'll show it back to you. Yeah, I feel like that's a really important thing. People just want to know that they're heard. And when they're heard and they can see that and they can feel that, then it goes into that they're valued, they're loved, they're appreciated, they're respected. And this pendulum swings in both directions. Yeah. Because I feel like as much as, like if we dive into what the literature or what the general space of dating would say, like this is what's going to make a really good partner, right? Which is uh, from the female perspective, oh, the man's going to provide security financially, physically. Yeah. That emotional one is always left out. So what well, you I just tap like, on, which I think is really interesting. I feel like emotional security is like oh, higher than anything else. Yeah. If you don't have emotional security, what good is a high paying job, a house with a white picket fence? And a fast car. Yeah. It's like, it's all just superficial shit. At the end of the day, if, if he lost all of that and you're on the bones of your ass, mm. would you know that he would, he would have your back, mm. that he would be there for you and that you would be him? Uh, sorry, that you would be there for him, not for what he can provide you, but for who he is. And this is brilliant because he brings us into the three questions, which is something that I pose to clients when they're considering proposing. Yeah. Right. Getting fully engaged uh, to the point of this is the one person I want for the rest of my life, mm. but I'm not entirely sure yet. You know, how can I figure this out? I'm like three questions for you. One, would you marry them if the option was available tomorrow? If you can get literally married tomorrow. Right? Is that a yes or no? Question two. Nuclear war has decimated our entire earth. Right? It's post-apocalyptic. You have one person that you can select to survive and attempt to make something and rebuild society with. Is she or he going to be that person? Mm. And number three, do you see an infinity, an eternity of lives with this person? Yeah. Would this be the person that you would want to walk the rest of eternity with? Yeah. So that's beyond this moment in space and time that is in the next life and the next life and the next life. And for those that uh, have different views, just take this as a metaphorical truth if you don't think it's literal. That metaphorically speaking, let's imagine if in the event, because no one knows, but if in the event that we had these repetitions of lives again and yeah. again and again, again, would this be the person that you would want to dance along with the entire way through? Those three questions. Those are the three big questions to me that will sort you out as to whether Absolutely. it's a, a yes, yeah. a maybe, or a no. And that's yeah. for you to figure out why it's a yes, why it's a maybe, why it's a no. But it will, it's a great compass. Yeah. And I feel like it provides so much uh, 
such an interesting perspective with the responses that you've had Mm. just from asking those questions is that, yeah, the proof is in the pudding of the outcome that so many people actually aren't with the person that they think that they are. It's really interesting when you get people who are honest yeah. and that's what is the what you're describing there because there's a raw honesty that comes from answering those three questions yeah. because if I look at it right now and as well just being put on the spot though yeah being put on the spot because they don't know the questions are coming yeah like if, if if you give them time to think about it it's like they have that time to like rationalize it's like no first thing that comes into your head is it a yes is it a no there is no maybe mm. and maybe is what I would class as a no it's either left yes right no well just to clarify that's what i was saying before which is that if you give a yes no or maybe that's for you to figure out why you selected that yeah but people will give those they will give maybes and i totally agree with you a maybe is a no but it's interesting as to why and that's what i'll dive into them with but yeah there a lot of times and this is how you know when someone's being honest which is that when they stand with conviction behind what they say so just the recent most recent client that i asked these two it was straight no's to all of them and that's when he realized, I need to break up with this girl. Yeah. Well, well, okay, that's jumping some steps. That's when he realized, I need to figure out why these are no's. Yeah. And then if that's the case, that they cannot be resolved, then I would break up with that person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like this is not us. Uh, this is not us advocating for you to break up with your uh, engaged partner if it's not or an even, absolute yes or yeah. serious partner. Yeah. It's not it's not like these three questions are just like a, a cheat code. No, no, they're a pathway for you to figuring out how you actually feel about the person yeah. and then coming together yeah. and seeing what can be done yeah. there. Because who knows, you you may answer no to those questions, but it may not actually have anything to do with that person. It might actually have everything to do with you. Bam. insecurities and like yeah your insecurities where you're at like if there were certain goals that you wanted to have achieved like I know some people are like well no I want to own a house before I get married or Mm. um I wanted to have secured like a management position at my work Mm. it's like people just really need to dive into the why Mm -hmm. and not just be like well it's a no so this isn't gonna work Mm. because you could potentially be saying goodbye to someone who was actually your yes. And that brings up a fantastic point that we need to dive into now, which is because we were on the broader scope of how do you know this is the person that you want to marry, that you want to be with for the rest of your life? I think it's three great questions to open up that keg as to what's actually boiling underneath your relationship. So, but how would you, we've talked about, okay, this is a pathway to communication. What? How do you communicate this? How are you going to talk about this with your partner? And this is what I think is the shining gemstone in our relationship which i give to all my clients yeah which is actually the lifeblood it's a better analogy is the lifeblood of our relationship is couples check-ins bam. every week usually every sunday actually. couples check-ins um yeah look at first i had so much hesitation because it's accountability you really have to be accountable for the shit you do. Yeah. All right, let's back up a second. So Sorry. what is it? What is the couples check-in? Yeah, well, so the way that we run couples check-ins is we always go and focus on the the uh, positives of our week. So things that we've done together, um, how the you, the me, the us is progressing, um, what we liked. And then we'll, if there's improvements to make, we'll go and talk about them. We'll address them. But it's not like you did a shit thing. It's very much you know like this happened this is how it made me feel I'd really like to get your perspective on that um you know like how were you feeling about this 
And, you know, it's like we, we can t- continue to put those yellow bricks down as we continue on our path. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So in terms of those of you looking for the structure of it, in terms of frequency, it's once a week, pick a day. And, you know, you don't have to allocate half the day to it if you when you get good at it, right? We, what we spend on average 30 to 45 minutes probably. Yeah. If that, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer. Yeah. But what we're describing here is a the reason why this works is because it makes sure that your car never gets too far off the road. Yeah. It makes sure that you are always set in the right direction because you're course correcting every week, yeah. which is, that, as we said there, so the core elements being, first off, there needs to be a setting of intent. So when we sit down, we say, okay, I'd like to set the intent that I want us to be open and clear about how we're feeling. I want to share in an amicable and beautiful way and just move us towards truth. Yeah. Would you like to add anything? Right. Yeah. And that's where Haley will add in or and you take it in turns or whatever who's feeling like they want to go first. Set the intent. And then you dive into your positives, as how he said, dive into your improvements to make, as how he said, and that's it. Yeah. But it just means that, for example, if, if uh, Haley did something to cheese you off earlier in that week. I do that quite a lot. Or if I did something to water your... your Don't. Water your pot plant earlier. Oh, he went there. Week. He went there. If I watered your pot plant earlier in that week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look out. Spicy. What? What do you think water your pop plant means? What do you think it means? I think it means that I did something wrong. <laughs> okay. I thought you were talking about actually watering my pop plant. Is that your vagina? I was meaning my actual pop plant in the office. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so... If, if they've done something, most importantly, so the couple's check-in is very much like the American Constitution with the right to freedom of speech, is that it's not in place for when things are going well. It's not, it's not the, the reason why that we have, uh, it seems to be getting removed more and more as each day goes by, but the reason why, at least in an American Constitution, is that there's a unquestionable right to be able to speak right freely, is so that when you have ideas that contradict with someone else that you're able to hear each other. Yeah. So it's not so that when everyone agrees, that's why that right's there. That right's there is when actually people disagree and people are saying abhorrent things that you really disagree with, but it's so that it doesn't ever get turned around on you when they disagree with you. Same thing with the couple's check-ins. Couple's check-ins are less about giving you guys ups about what was amazing. The growth and the benefit of a couple's check-in is when actually she did something that really pissed me off, that made me really angry, that made me feel emotionally unrecognized, and I need a time to be able to speak that out. Yeah. Right? And vice versa. If I've done something negligent, if I've done something that um, really, as I said, cheesed you off and that really offsided you emotionally, that you have a space where you know that I'm 100% locked in and there's nothing else that's going to get in the way of this conversation. And if it happens on a weekly basis, it means that, first off, what I find between couples that breaks couples apart the most is resentment. Yeah. Right? Contempt and resentment for that person because of something they did that you just swept under the couch. Yeah. And I feel like so many people just get in the in the habit it's like oh, you know, like they didn't they didn't unpack the dishwasher or um they didn't meet you at the door or yeah, they flipped you off in some yeah, way. Yeah, or like they left something lying around or whatever and you're like, "Oh, whatever, I'll just do it today." And then it's like, "Oh, they've done it again." "Oh, it's alright, I'll just do it today." "Oh, they've done it again. I'll just do it today." And then all of a sudden Snowball. It's like all they have to do is like 
make that scraping sound with their knife on their plate. And it's like, what? Yeah, it blows up. And it's like this huge thing. And then like the other person sitting there being like, I do not know where this has come from. And I feel like that's more traumatic and a lot more blindsiding than and just going unfair. and having the conversation. Yeah. It's, it's highly like, unfair to that person. Yeah. Yeah. So the couple's check-in is a cautionary protective measure. It's a protective measure that keeps uh, viruses from expanding in the relationship. That any weeds, any viruses that are cropping up because of negative emotions and feelings get addressed. Yeah. And that's what I find because this is the thing is that if you're looking for the perfect person, as we've established in this podcast, it's not going to happen. Mm. You're not going to find someone who's not going to make a mistake. Yeah, and I feel like so much beauty of meeting someone is actually in their ability to make mistakes. And to heal from them. Yeah. Recognize. Like you said before, a woman wants someone who listens. Yeah. 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 So this is something that we do in the couples check-in, please. I mean, it's my, it's just something that I created. It's something that I felt like, I mean, I know there's probably many versions of this, but the, that's something I coined. Right, and I give it out to all my clients and say that if you do anything in a relationship, I think this is more important than sex. I think this is more important than how many dates you go on per week. I think this is more important than basically anything else. Yeah. You let this slide, you are opening up the door to the wolves and they will come in and rip apart everything meaningful in your relationship because of resentment that builds up from unaddressed things that yeah. go on. And I feel like that's how you end up in situations with divorce. Yeah. Where cheating conspires. Yeah. Where... All manner of things, undermining of who you thought that person was. So, without getting on too of a depressing note here, a couple of seconds. This now leads us to sex and children because sex will organically lead us into children. So, let's start there with sex. Oh, um, by the way, actually, I'm realizing you gave us what you think women are looking for in a man. Oh, yeah, marriage. please. Just please to put share. the reversal, I actually think it's uh, quite analogous. A man, and like I said before, the scientific or the literature would say that, oh, a woman's looking for a man that's protective, that is going to be able to provide for her financially. And I loved how you said, uh, you know, that's all well and good, but if he, if all of his money was stripped away and, and that's what that apocalypse question does, which is why I love it, because it addresses this part of the, the construct, yeah. which is that, would you still love this person even if it was a street rat? Yeah. Would you still love them if they had nothing? Literally, would you still love him if he was Aladdin? And not because he's gone and spent all of his money at the casino and is, is an absolute scumbag. Yeah. Right? Not, not because of that, but because he's on his journey upwards. Yeah. Not because he's doing things to bring you down or bring him down. That's a different thing. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about the soul fiber of the person. So yeah. flipping but it like around. actually who they are. Yeah. Now flipping it around, yeah. the female what a man's looking at a female, what they would say is that we're looking for a young, a girl who's young, who's in her birthing prime, is able to child rear, and that's about it. Right? That's that's what evolutionary yeah. psychology would say. That's that's what all the surveys and research would say, is that that's what a man really should be looking for in a life partner, right? Yeah. On a very core level. And I think, then I think what gets laid on top of that is, oh, it would be also great, right, if you guys get along, Right, if you guys enjoy the same things. Yeah. Right, and I do agree with this. Like, I'm not disagreeing with any of these things. I'm just trying to highlight something I think is missing. And what's missing is reciprocal to what you just said, which is that I think what I was, what I found in Haley was that Haley has listened to me more than any other woman I've met in my entire life, other than my mother. And I'd say actually, you probably listen to me more even than my mom. And that's no 
shade on mum. Mum listens to me tremendously. It's that you listen to me in a way that she can't because she's my mum. That's what signaled to me that, okay, this is life partner material. Because mm. I think at the end of the day, all we're really looking for in life is to be seen, to be heard, to be recognised as a meaningful and valuable thing. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And that's not to say that you can't generate uh, your own sense of worth, belongingness and value, but we do not exist as islands. Right? If, if that was truly the case, then no one would ever connect with anyone to a meaningful degree. Yeah. Because you'd be so good on your own. Right? There is an integral part of humanity which requires a dance between masculine and feminine energy, that threading. Okay. So now let's move into sex. How much sex do you think is healthy in a marriage? I feel like that. What's necessary? I feel like necessary. I feel like it's such a like an easy but also like a hard question. Is that? Well, imagine your girlfriends, right? Yeah. Because by the way, guys, Hale is a lot younger than me. Yeah, seven years younger. Yeah. How old are you? Twenty-three. Yeah, I'm thirty. So most of your friends aren't married. Literally, none of my friends, apart from the ones that are older. Older, <laughs> yeah. But the ones your contemporaries, none of them are married. Yeah, no. So they're inevitably going to ask you, you know, how much sex do you and Adam have? Yeah. What, what do you feel is good? What would you recommend type thing? Well, I feel like it's such an interesting question because um, like in the beginnings of the relationship that Adam and I share, we were having sex like very frequently and for like extended periods of time. For a, across a long period of time yeah. as well in terms of like macro. Yeah. Like yeah. it didn't fizzle out. A sexual yeah. connection yeah. endured. Yeah. But it's like now sitting here on the couch, I could say to you, I would be happy to not have sex with you for two weeks because our relationship has transcended so far beyond that. The emphasis and the importance that we placed on sex, it's still there, but it doesn't override the spiritual connection that we have. Yes. So if you look at this yeah. triangle of interplay between physical, mental, and sexual. Yes. Um, sorry, let me I correct that. The interplay between physical, mental, and spiritual. Yes. So I'm going in terms of sexuality, in terms of sexual energy. Yeah. Right. I'm physically attracted to you in a sexual way. Yeah. I'm mentally attracted to you in a sexual way. Like you, the way you talk turns me on. But then it transcends into the next level, which is spiritual. Which is, and all that means in my mind is that that which cannot be said with words. Yeah. That's what spiritual means to me. Yeah. It's something that exists beyond any cognitive framework. Yeah. It's something that just is. And I feel like, um, you know, we've had so many conversations about it as well, that the the sexual connection that we share is very much built on the spiritual aspect that, you know, throughout the times when we are going and having sex, while we're being present, we're also not present. Like it's like we're in a completely different realm. Yes. Yes. It's like our, our spirits like flying through space. Yes. And especially when we start to talk about orgasms now, just highlighting what you're saying there because yeah. an orgasm for us isn't a physical experience only. Of it's, like the end final product of like the actual physical orgasm. Yeah. yeah. So what I find is that there are many orgasms that happen throughout our sessions, but there's always a grand orgasm, yeah. which is one that obliterates our concept of selves entirely and elevates us into yeah. what we consider the 
eternal fibers of the universe. Yeah. Literally just connecting us with source. Mm. Whatever that may be. And that's never been unavailable to us, which I think is a massive key. Yeah. It's it's never unavailable to us, which is why we don't need to frantically pursue it. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, to I, I mean, I never actually answered your question about how much sex is appropriate mm-hmm. for married couples. Mm. I feel like the amount of sex that's appropriate is is what will align with you connecting. That's a very important point. Say more on that. What do you mean by connecting? Why is that? Well, because everyone's got so many different perspectives on what connecting means. And, you know, like you said, you can connect physically, you can connect emotionally, you can connect mentally, and then you can connect spiritually. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't need to be sexual with any of them. Like sometimes just sitting down and watching a movie or going for a walk on the beach or whatever, going for a drive or shopping or stuff like that, it fulfills different aspects of it. Mm. And it's like there's like the time and the place. And I feel that regardless of what relationship you're in, a sexual act should only happen if it is going to bring you closer in your connection. Bam. That's where I was hoping you were going to go. That sex is a... It's an anchor point for connection. Yes. That sex is the pathway to the connecting of your spirits. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that resonates so deeply with me because there were many girls prior to you that I withheld the full sexual intimacy, right? Full penetrative sex because I didn't feel that spiritual connection with them. Yeah. I think that's absolutely brilliant that sex is to the end point of connection, not the other way around. Yeah. You don't have sex to build a connection. It's a reflection if, of the connection. Yeah, exactly. Like if you don't have a connection, why why are you having sex with the person? Mm-hmm. And like even that term, we're using the word term sex so not to get to word gaming or things, but we don't really refer to it as sex anyway. In a traditional sense is another version of our alternativity. Alternativity, I'm not sure that's a word. Maybe it is. I don't know. Alternative. Alternative, yes. Our alternative ways, which is that um, it's love. Yeah. It's love. It's love making. It's love creating. It's love building. It's love connecting. Yeah. But it's it's so interesting because it's like you hear you hear people go and say, oh, you know, like, let's go make love. And you're like, what the fuck? Like that's so cringe and it's so gross. And then it's like you're in it. But like when I say that it's like it's so cringe and it's so gross is that so many people – Imagine like let's make love with like this really slow pace like Patrick Swayze type act. I love me some dirty dancing. Yeah, but it's like that's what you think it is. It's going to be like this really slow, tender movement. When it's like love making is actually nothing and everything at the same time. It's exactly what it needs to be. That it doesn't have to be this slow, very calm kind of go with the waves flow sometimes it can be frantic and it can be hardcore animalistic passionate mixed in with some of those softer more subtle movements Mm. but it's like everything everything when you make love is intentional absolutely absolutely and so that's where you have an oscillation between i mean we won't i think would say we would very rarely find ourselves in this position but i can i guess it still fits in which is that 
you have on one end making love to get off and then making love to, as I said before, enter a cataclysmic spiritual experience. Yeah. And it can oscillate between those things. It doesn't always need to be a three to five hour, as I just said before, complete dissolution of self and a psychedelic experience. Mm. It can just be, I have 10 minutes, you have 10 minutes, uh, let's just go ravage each other. Yeah. And that, if that being the intent, but that's why I'm saying the word, that term get off didn't really, doesn't resonate with us. Yeah. But it's more just that a short, passionate explosion of firework and that's what we need. Yeah. So what needs to be met? What needs need to be met? Yeah, exactly. And what time What time can we allocate for those needs to be met? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, sometimes it may only be 10 minutes, which I guess for others is what they'd call a quickie. Mm. Some No, some people would say that's, <laughs> that's the whole jam and dance. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, you know, like for... Yeah, I, I, I feel like people go and name things with what they have the time for. So, oh, like, let's just go upstairs and we'll go and have a quickie instead of, you know, like I've got, like you said, I've got I've got 10 minutes here. Like I'd really love to ravage you. Yeah. Like let's yeah. just go lay down. Let's feel each other. Like the whole the whole dance of spirits, filling and receiving. Mm. Yeah. And so what we're saying here is also that, at least from my perspective, that the time elapsed is redundant to me. Yeah. Right. It's the actual experience. The quality of the experience rather than the yeah. quantity. And I mean, this is coming from someone that, you know, can last indefinitely. Yeah. As in ejaculation is a skill that any man can develop, which is ejaculation control, which means that you can time your orgasm, you can time your ejaculation. Okay, we are back. So my friends, we just had to replace the battery on the old camera. Where we were was quality. Quality to quantity. Oh, ejaculation yeah. control. Uh, every man should be able to have full mastery of that that's not a hard skill to develop yeah no and so that enables us right once you have those physical fundamentals in that enables us to say if we have 10 minutes here let's go hard and fast to the point of an explosive connected experience or let's take all night to completely indulge and endow ourselves with something truly beautiful yeah either way i think it just comes down to again it's communication <sighs> communicate what what you have time for you know sometimes like adam you might have only like 20 30 minutes and i might not have that long so like it's communicating well you know like i actually don't have that amount of time before i have to go do x y and z can we make something else work Mm -hmm. or can we do it another time Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely we're constantly in communication about our sexual needs yeah and it's you know there might be some people who've been married for like 20 30 years listening to this going oh they're just fresh pups they're only just the honeymoon stage oh by the way we didn't talk about that before just to add a little a side note we didn't believe in a honeymoon yeah no we totally skip that but also in our whole relationship we've never had a honeymoon stage no because it's always yeah. been very much like a spade's a spade black and white this is us this is who we are yeah there was never there's no like i'm going in with rose-colored glasses here it's like no i'm going in like pedal to the metal bulls first yeah but no, not balls. Yeah, first. balls and eggs first. Yeah, that's it. Balls and eggs first, and I think what you're building on there, and I think it's really cool for people to know, is that there was no. Well, I think you had you had a lot of walls. Let me correct that. You had a lot of walls, <laughs> but you yeah. were very happy for me to break them down. Yeah, you're very happy for me to break them down. Which any is any intense. woman will be happy for you to break their walls down if you're their person. 
And I feel like that's another another way of being able to go and work out if that's the person that you're going to be with, whether that's for a reason, a season, a lifetime, that any woman that wants you in their life will will let you help them. And, and they will want easy. to do vice versa. But oh, they may make easy. it living hell. <laughs> Women are so good at doing this. But just know that if she is willing, then she wants you to be there. Yeah, that's what you need. You need that willingness, as you said. Yeah. So now that we've gone – so with the honeymoon, yeah, we didn't just tie that up. Uh, we're going to go on a trip next year. But because yeah. with Haley's work, with my work and studies, et cetera – it just didn't line up for us to take some significant time off. Yeah, well, we you've, been, you've been crazy with uni. I've just started a new job. and Yeah, and I've got my clients and whatnot yeah, exactly. to schedule. So anyways, bringing it back now. <laughs> Sexual needs met, talking about sex, that's all done. Now it's moving into children. Yeah. Very contentious issue in this day and age. Yeah. So well, I feel like children for us as well is like a very... It's very intentional, like everything. Yeah. And this is something we yeah. spoke about in our first couple of weeks together. It was in the same discussion as marriage. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was convinced that I had only wanted two children. Then Adam comes in straight off the bat. Being swinging like, his balls around. Oh, literally, like swinging his dick in his balls, being like, <laughs> you're going to have five. And now all of a sudden we're apparently having like 27. And it's like, <laughs> how did we get here? I like how you're juicy this up. How did we get so here? So people don't think that I'm Genghis Khan. He's populating a third uh, of the earth. Can you please correct the actual truth of the situation? Yeah, Adam came in saying that he wanted five. I came in saying, this was, by the way, my friends, this was literally in the same discussion. It was in Haley's previous share house. Yeah. It was a rainy day. We were on the couches. You had just made your big bowl or something before she was animal based. Uh, I feel like it was lasagna. lasagna. Is your lasagna? Ooh, Jinx, you want me Coke? Jinx, you want me Coke? Fuck yeah! <laughs> Shut the fuck Woo! up. Shut the fuck Fuck. Right, I got you so good. And no, you know no, what? Everyone has seen that. We would have gone forever. Everyone has That's seen not that. That's how it works. Yes. You geriatric fuck. You can hear <laughs> Lou upstairs. Oh, fuck me. Okay. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt to explain what just happened. Moving on. Yenya lasagna is what I'm saying. And by the way, how it doesn't. I don't eat lasagna anymore. Yeah. Well. But I did, I did love a good lasagna. I used to go and meal prep it and have it for the whole week. <laughs> Maybe we can talk about our animal-based diets later on. Maybe we'll get to kids later on, the discussion with kids in terms of child-rearing, like our, what we envision with that. Yeah. But in the, what I'm trying to point out here is in the same conversation of like where we want to go in our lives, what we want to do in regards to marriage and children. Of course, children's going to come up with that, right? So it was all yeah. the same discussion. It's like a couple of weeks in. And I say to you, I've always been okay with having no kids. Yeah. I've said to you that I view all beings in this life as my children, as I am theirs. Yeah. I feel like an interconnectedness between all beings, all spirits, a oneness of all things. Yeah, absolutely. Which, look, to be completely honest with you, as a very maternal woman, uh, you know, having wanted children ever since I was little, going and saying that my biggest accomplishment in life will be being a mum – is really challenging to hear just in the sense that it's like, okay, you know, like, are you going to be okay if you don't have children, Haley? Like, would that be okay with you? Mm. And, you know, like I've gone and said to you, it was like really easy for me to go and make that decision to, yeah, I'll be okay. 
I'll be so fine because at the end of the day, it's the love that burns between you and I and our eternal bond that it's like, that's, that's what we need. And it's like, if we had 27 children, that's cool too. We'll get a bus, whatever. We'll literally buy a hotel because we'll, we'll need it. We'll yeah. rent the zoo. We'll, yeah, we'll put them in with panties. But it's, yeah, it's, it's changed my perspective as well. And, you know, like a little bit different to yours, how you, you see everyone as, oh, you see everyone as your children, as the, you are theirs. It's just really made me improve my practice in my work that the children that I teach are essentially my children. You just put more of an emphasis on that. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so to move that forward, so that's what I initially said to her is that with or without, right? I'm okay with or without. However, I would prefer with. I would love to have uh, reincarnates of our energy to go forward and do the best in this world that they can. Right, that would be and an I also feel thing. like Adam wants to make a gang <laughs> against against me that will do hilarious dances and say hilarious jokes and school teachers who are meant to be schooling them. They don't refer to me as the joke master for no reason. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I said to her, and this is where we got into the weeds with her, I'm just like, so if possible, I would love to start with three – you love to chuck in the number five <laughs> because you got there. Yeah, we yeah we get there. Right? I'm, not gonna, there. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna half ass it. Like so, if if we want five, I'm gonna aim for five. I'm not yeah. gonna aim for three. Yeah, we well, got thick hips for a reason. Leave yeah. my hips out of this. Leave <laughs> my hips out of this. So Shakira, three because oh, because I have three because like I have three <laughs> very specific names uh, that I wanted. Uh, for our children. Well, less specific the names and more so the structure of the naming. I think, yeah. Which I'm not going to mention here because I don't want any of you to steal those names. But so also I think it takes away from... The surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So there's very intentional names is what I'm saying. And I said, yeah, well, three kids would be... first names and middle names. Yeah. Three kids would be fantastic. And if we can get to five, that would be fucking ridiculous. And but we also want a couple of dogs, so... Yeah, that might take up the other two children's position. So who knows? Yeah. Who or... Knows? Or having three children and Adam may take up the other two positions. Yeah, you're really proud of yourself with that one, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, to wrap up this particular section, of, we aligned on children. Um, mm. It was challenging for you to hear that I'll be okay without, but now yeah. it's put you in a position where actually you're okay without as well. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, I feel like you know, to, to touch on that um, – you know, if I can, it was a real testament. We were challenged with it earlier in the year that, um, yeah, we actually were pregnant. And, um, yeah, it was my body did what it needed to do and it miscarried the, the pregnancy. Um, yeah, and it, it really made us, both of us, just sit down and be like, would we be okay? Like this was what I would class as like that test. Like, would you actually be okay if you couldn't have any children? Yeah. And, and it hit yeah. you really hard. Oh. You went a little dark there for a brief window. Yeah. And then to pull you back up. Yeah. Yeah. But I think also that's a huge testament to finding the one is, you know, like I said before, with when you're falling off the climbing and you, you land on that soft fall mat, that's what Adam was. Adam was my soft fall mat and helped me get back up and have another go. Um, and you didn't, 
Yeah. You didn't freeze me out in the sense of you didn't disavow me of the opportunity to feel what I needed to feel either. Yeah. You gave me my space to understand when that when that moment happens when you have to go to the hospital and you go through it all and the doctor comes in and afterwards and you know we had a family dinner that night and I spent my one hour on the beach just feeling the emotions of like I was preparing to be a father and now that's not going to be that's totally okay. And yeah. just like allowing yourself to feel it all. And Haley's like, when I get home, whenever you're ready to share, I'm here to listen to you. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like that just solidified that, um, you know, like as much as the whole, the whole situation, the whole act of the miscarriage hurt both physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually, it was a huge a huge area for growth for both of us and just to really solidify that we would actually be okay if it's just us for the rest of our lives, yeah. for the rest of our eternity because we've got each other. Mm. We're the best team. We are the best team. Yeah. So that brings us to, I guess, maybe a bit of a summary point. Yeah. A summary point. We're reflecting on this podcast. I think we've achieved the aims that we set out for here which is just to explain to people what our marriage, in quotes, is, what our bonding was. Mm. I went through the entire systematic process of how that happened, went through what we feel like is a good idea, like how to get onto that journey, what indicators are a good person to match with, roles of sex, communication, most importantly, children. You know, I just... Maybe the final thing that I'll say that I'll wrap up on, which is... You know, we, we watched The Green Mile the other day. Haley introduced me to The Green Mile. Which, if you haven't seen it, mm. literally stop this podcast right here and go watch it. Yeah, you need to. You need to. It's a but informative like find, piece. But, like, find someone that, like, you really value to go and watch it with. Yeah, it's a hard movie to watch. It's a very difficult movie to watch. And it's very difficult when you have someone that you value very deeply in your life. Yeah. And it just I was walking the beach the other day and just reflected on how, what if Haley was to die today? Like, what if she was just taken today? How would you feel? I was like, I, f- I feel very sad. Haley gave me a little shit for that. <laughs> I was like, surely you'd feel more than just sad. And I was like, I'm building here. I'm building. <laughs> this is Lego. I'm building. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'd feel very sad, but I know I'd be okay because I find you in the next life. Yeah. It's like I, I would be distraught. I would be beside myself, of course, emotionally overcome with tidal waves of grief and despair. But I know that in the end, the light would shine because I'd find you in the next life. Yeah. And I think that's the summary of our love for each other. Yeah. Absolutely. That in this life and the next and whatever else follows. That's you and I. And that, my friends, is where we shall wrap it up. For those of you wondering why the audio cut out there, it didn't cut out. We just decided to have a little moment of connection. Yeah. Lip to lip. So... Well, thank you very much for tuning in to today's sesh as husband and wife. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, 
feel free to reach out. Let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Got if questions? Yeah, if there's anything that you're not too sure on or if there's anything that you would like to know. We're very open books. We'd be so happy to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, reach out and yeah. clarify. It's been a great time. So wishing you all love, peace and joy in your lives yeah. and the absolute best on your journeys. And that brings me to my thanks to all of you. Thank you, first off, for just being here, your presence. But please let me know. Let me know in a comment down below where you are in your lives, how you felt about this, any commentary. I'll do my best to get back as soon as I possibly can. And also, if you did enjoy the content, please hit the thumbs up on the YouTube video. It just helps it get sent out to more people in the community. And if you feel like this would resonate with someone else, please share it to some of your close friends. If you would like to dive into one-on-one coaching, it's all available on boldojo.com guided meditation free resources of wisdom free weekly on my newsletter bowl sip just chuck your email in comes out every friday that's all available all the links down below and if you would like to support the podcast directly you can donate anything that you wish through the paypal link down below or on the website balldojo.com in the podcast section anything that you guys give is always super appreciated so i thank you very much wishing you all the love peace and joy in this life <laughs>